Hello, and welcome to another podcast. So glad you could stop by and listen to my adventures. If you're new here, I'm Steve, a Scottish adventurer and wild camper, chasing sunsets and sunrises. I film for YouTube, and each video I turn into a podcast. Well, most of them I do. A wild camp in remote areas of Scotland, talking about tents, camping gear, places, some foods, and the people I meet. This time I want you to kick back your feet, have a cup of tea and your favourite biscuit and let me take you on an adventure to a little bothy fit for a postcard. So join me as I take you camping on the wild side. This was the second of two bothies that I had planned to do over the weekend. The reason I chose some bothies to stay at was because the weather up here in Scotland had been pretty harsh, with snow, rain and many storms battering the country. Also, I hadn't been out for a good few months, so this was my way of getting myself back into the swing of things, so to speak. So now you have your cup of tea and hopefully a biscuit. Let's start. You join me driving along a country road with passing places. Not fast, just a nice easy slow drive looking at the lands that surround me. It's a very remote part of the countryside. Heading along, I never even passed another car, which was actually a nice feeling. Passing a small farm at the side of the road called Hislop, this was my nearest place to get a sat-nav point. Just about a mile past the farm, I eased the car into the grass lay by verge, beside a couple of other cars. I sat there for two minutes, getting the last bit of heat into my body before turning the car off, looking around at the other cars and wondering, what and where were they? Are they hill walkers or dog walkers? You just don't know. Anyway, I was here, and time to get my kit sorted. A big inhale of fresh Scottish countryside air to fill the lungs was a great feeling, and I needed a good stretch. That's just because of my age, nothing else. Taking all the kit out of the car and making sure I was a bit more organised was my focus. Boots and gaiters on, food and water sorted, and I couldn't forget the coal and kindling. Leaving what I didn't want in the boot. Just out of sight. That's what we do. Jacket and rucksack on. I locked the car. Dumfries and Galloway is a beautiful area, comprising of vast forestly plantations, many hills, and a huge area of open countryside. If you have never been here, it's well worth a visit on your travels. A short wander along the road to head off to the left and down a farm track. I stopped at the bridge that crossed the River Garach. It was flowing pretty fast due to the, all the rain and storms we'd been having constantly. A very clean and healthy looking piece of water. I headed through the farm with a startle as a choir of working collies made sure of my presence. I think it would be pretty hard to sneak past these dogs as they see and hear everything. Which is not a bad thing. 
heading through a couple of gates and reaching the point where fields turn into hills was a nice feeling. That allowed me to relax a bit, as you don't feel like you're being watched. And I'm sure that wasn't the case anyway. The track up onto the hill was great and good for walking on. It's a well-used path and popular with hill walkers, and of course, shepherds. Large areas of hill ground were as far as the eye could see, and were covered in grass, bracken and heather. A good mixture. A few white spots dotted around, as sheep grazed the land, and were quite content with me walking past them. The track continued for what felt like miles, but when you're pretty unfit, everything takes that little bit longer. The wind picked up and made things a little wild, in a good way. The bracken and rushes at the side of the track were swaying and dancing as the wind swept along the hill face. Continuing on the track, through more gates and passing lots of water, finding its way as it crept across the track in front of me, the main river, called the Burn, was down at my left, and a torrent as all the water from the surrounding hills and land made its way down to it. Soon a collection of cottages, of about three ruined ones, with outbuildings came into sight. I had seen photos of them when researching this bothy. They were in a bad state, but they were fascinating to see. Probably old shepherd's cottages back in the day, being this far up the hills. The wind had died down a bit, and at least it wasn't raining. And this was such a lovely walk so far. Very scenic indeed. I met a couple of people out walking and they were heading off the hills and back to the road. A quick stop to say hello and made sure I was on the right path to the bothy put my mind at rest. We said our goodbyes and wished them a safe and pleasant walk back. So from here the bothy wasn't far away, which was really nice to be told. Round the hillside and along the track, a small roof came into sight. This was when I got pretty excited. I actually thought it was a way further on than this point, but I shouldn't complain. The first thing that wild campers, bothy users and hikers do is to look at the chimney to see if you can see any smoke coming out. A good indicator to see if someone would be in. Nothing. Zero. Maybe it was because I was still a good distance away and couldn't see properly. The track and ground had been great up to now, but that changed to soggy, wet, marshy and spots of bog. The kind of bog that swallows your boot. Yeah, that kind. We've all been there, haven't we? It was only 300 yards to the bothy, so I had one eye on the boggy wet bits and one eye on the bothy. I was excited and feeling pretty giddy at this point. The ground squelched as I struggled to find solid ground to stand on. Eventually it became a better path nearer the bothy. I stood about 150 yards from the bothy and was blown away. Actually speechless. What a gorgeous little bothy this was. Sitting there all alone in an area of flat ground surrounded by stone dikes and some old wooden fencing. Just absolutely stunning so it was. I walked down the small slope, crossed the flat bridge which was covered in old grass and rushes, obviously from previous storms and high waters. The blue door of the bothy made it stand out very well. Taking hold of the wooden fence gate, I lifted it and walked through. 
I took a few steps up to the door. Welcome to Burleywag Bothy. This looked incredible. Standing at the door and placing my hand on the bolt, I slid it back and opened the sturdy wooden door. It made a creaking noise, like that of an old ship. Just how an old Bothy door should sound as you open it. My rucksack bounced off the solid frames of the door as I pushed my way inside. Entering a small porch area with a stone floor, with a fair-sized window of individual panes of glass, giving some great views of the grounds leading up to the Bothy. A second door met me as I came in, and I pressed the latch. One of those latches you press with your thumb, the old-style ones. I stepped in. So through the second door I could hear voices chattering. Not clear, just muffled. A quick reaction was to knock on the third door. Yes, there was another door. I put my hand on the latch, and it unlocked, and opened up, and came face to face with a guy. Hello, is there room for another one? I said. I made my way inside, to what was the main room. Three guys sitting on chairs. I squeezed past them and sat on a long wooden bench at the other side of the room. A large stove took centre place on the stone hearth, which looked fairly new. The pipe for the fumes was all shiny, showing that it was recently replaced, and clean-looking cement on the wall where the pipe had went through the wall to the chimney. Black and white photos and pictures were all around the bothy. It was hard to concentrate on everything. An old wooden drying line was hanging up by a pulley system above the stove for wet and damp clothing if needed. I took my rucksack off and sat down to rest my weary legs and body. A good brief conversation was had between us all. Turns out two of the guys were in there were from the Mountain Bothies Association, which was great, and this was one of the Bothies they looked after. They were here to inspect work that needed doing and putting together a work list of equipment. The other guy, Mark, was retired and he was doing a small tour of camping and stopping in the odd bothy, so he was great to chat to. Very knowledgeable, he had been to many bothies, and I think he knew more about Scotland than I did, and that was because he was a regular bothy user. He's probably stayed in the mall. I started to unpack my rucksack and put everything out on a small part of the floor that I'd claimed. Mark had cleared a place from a stove and food on the table, which had a few old glass, whiskey and spirit bottles, now used for candle holders, with the old set wax running down the bottlenecks. With my stove and food on the table, that clears my feet a bit. The coal and kindling I brought, I put up against the wall on the many other piles of wood, paper and coal that was already there so there was more than a plentiful supply to keep this bothy heated. I had placed my sleeping bag, air mat and night clothing under the bench so I could put things away that I didn't need. I popped outside for five minutes just to get a relaxed look at the bothy from all sides. Burleywag bothy is a single-storey bothy. Probably I'm more likely to have been an old shepherd's cottage at one point many years ago. The beautiful building of stone, 
The entrance consisted of a little wooden and stone porch with a corrugated roof. The bothy had a couple of windows at each end of the building. The main room had the stove and a couple of tables, some chairs. Off the main room was a small room, probably about six feet by ten feet, with a raised wooden floor. This was one of the sleeping areas. At a glance, it looked like it could fit easy four people. The two guys from the Mountain Bothy Association were sleeping in there, and it looked pretty cosy enough. At the other end of the Bothy was another room, mostly used for storage of equipment and materials, tools, that sort of stuff. Another raised sleeping platform was there, that would fit probably about two people. It felt rather cold in here, as you were pretty far away from the fire and heat. So back outside the Bothy, it was surrounded with dry stone dikes, which had been built many years ago. Moss and lichens had made them their home. Decent areas of grass were all around the Bothy, which could be used for pitching a tent, if you had to. To the side of the Bothy were old wooden fencing. This would have been, or possibly still is, used for the sheep when they're sorting them out for lambing time. Again, looking very rough, old, and in need of repair. It wouldn't take much to fall down if you leant on it. I think the moss and spiders' webs were maybe holding it together. The river at the side of the bothy was great, giving a good fresh supply of water for drinking, washing and cleaning. I retreated back to the bothy after a wander about, closing the bolt of the door. It was now time to get the stove on for a cup of tea. Filling the jet boil with water, and with a couple of clicks to ignite the flame, we were off. It's a great sight to see and hear as the burner heats up the water, and it doesn't take long. Not with this stove, that's the beauty of it. Pouring the hot water into my cup, creating lots of steam, clouding my face just makes things very rustic, and again, that homely feeling. I sat down on the bench with my hands wrapped around the cup, warming me up. Chatting further with the guys, we were sorting out the world and covering every topic that we could think of, as you do. What a great laugh. Four strangers in a bothy, just putting the world to right. Feeling hungry, we had lost track of time. So I got the homemade soup out, which was in a freezer bag, filling the jet boil and heating it up while I cleared away some rubbish. You can't beat hot homemade soup in a bothy. It's just perfect. It didn't take long to bring to the boil, and then I let it simmer away. My stomach was rumbling, and with a full pot of soup near ready, this was what I'd been looking forward to. The soup was ready, and at this point, the fire was lit. It couldn't get any better. It crackled away as the kindling was burning, and the logs hugged the flames as they were placed on top. It's such a great sound and feeling. The soup was perfect and going down well. It's half the battle using a jet boil, as you just eat straight from the pot, so less mess in a way. A discussion about what adventures each of us had been on kept us entertained for a while, while eating and stalking the fire. It's nice to hear what places and adventure people have been on. It makes you want to go away again very quickly.
I scraped the last of the soup from my pot and felt good. It was just the right amount. For now. Pot washed and cleaned. It was a chain reaction as other guys set up their stoves for cooking and making their food. I put mine back on for a cup of tea. The sky was turning dark as the clouds rolled in and the sun started to say goodbye. With cup of tea in hand, I popped out of the bothy just to get some last bit of footage. I should mention I respected the other guys in the bothy and didn't film them or record anything with them there. This is something I have always done as each of us come to the bothy for different reasons, mostly to get away from it all and enjoy quiet time and that's what I had given them. I came in from filming to get the water boiling for another cup of tea and was presented with a little bit of Swiss roll cake. Just perfect. By the time I had my tea and my bit of cake in the hand, it was pretty dark. I brought a few candles so went round placing them in the various bottles and holders around the room. Candles all in place and now a light, it made the bothy very welcoming and homely. The reflection of the lights shone in many pictures and reflected around the room. Wax dripped from the odd candle onto the metal plates below. Some flames were still, while others danced about, flickering. It was very warm and cosy to be around. Feeling a little hungry, I got a packet of pasta on the boil. Nothing fancy, just something light. Other stoves lit up for teas and coffees, so soon a cloud of steam created a haze in the room. It actually looked like London Street back in the days. Silence as we all sorted our own food and drinks. We sat for a few more hours chatting away, as you do, and was just a nice casual setting and feel to it. Logs and coal were keeping the fire hot, and with the open fire door, it lit the room fill with heat. The flames cast dancing shadows across the wooden floor of the bothy, and reflected in pictures and a few various glass bottles. I opened a nice bar of chocolate, to which nobody wanted any, so unfortunately, I had to eat the whole bar myself, which I was deeply saddened about. It was getting late for me, but we were having such a nice time and in deep flow of conversation about world issues. The Mountain Bothy guys were taking measurements to fix and repair the porch area as it was rotten away. These guys had done a great job at keeping this Bothy in good working order and constantly repairing it, which was good to see. Soon we all began to feel rather weary and the movement from us was our cue to retire to bed. A final few handfuls of coal and the odd log on the fire, that would help keep the heat for a couple of hours. I was going to be sleeping in the main room, so I cleared an area and started to blow up my air mat, puffed up my sleeping bag and got my bed clothing ready. Water on the boil for my hot water bottle was the last thing I needed to do before blowing out some of the candles and leaving one to shed a little bit of light, just in case. I jumped into my sleeping bag with my hot water bottle on my feet to keep things cosy. 
My thermal night clothing was ideal and good for warmth. I felt really comfortable and very cosy laying there. The light from the single candle flame stood to attention, with the odd flicker from the air moving around the bothy. It was interesting to watch. As I finally closed my eyes and drifted off, the bothy was very quiet, very still, and very dark, apart from the one candle. I tossed and turned a few times, which is always what I do, but I was very comfortable and very warm. Morning I gently woke to see the candle still alight, along with daylight starting to creep through the window panes. Signs of water droplets on the glass as rain was leaving its mark. A very pretty sight to see. I lay for a while just looking around the room, from the flickering candle to the window. I didn't want to get out my sleeping bag, I was too cosy. The fire didn't last all night and had now gone out, but it was still pretty warmish in the room anyway. The stirring and movement of sleeping bags was a sign that others were waking up. It was about time I got up. I zipped my sleeping bag down and it's a task to get out my sleeping bag liner. It's not the easiest thing to get in and out of. The worst thing at this stage is getting out your warm kit and putting on some cold trousers and cold top. Which, like us all, I was dreading. I could see them lying on the bench looking at me with this it's going to be cold written all over them. Sometimes you just have to bite the bullet and do it as quick as you can. So it was now or never. Holding my breath, as if that's going to do anything or even help in any way, was more stupid than I felt. Off with the warm clothing and then on with the trousers. Yep, they were cold, but I had now committed to the cold air, so no turning back. Then on with the top, which was worse, because it was one of those armour tops that don't slide over you, they, they stick to your skin, which was a whole different way of dealing with the cold. They get stuck halfway up your back, so you need to try and break your arm to grab the top and pull it down. They are such a faff, but good tops. I think all the dancing about getting this top fixed helped warm me up. Boots on, just finished things off and I was sorted. Picked up my water bottle and went outside to fill up from the river. Opening the main door and feeling a rush of cold air hit my face was a good wake up. The weather was damp, wet and a drizzle in the air, so not a great start. Jet boil on the go for a morning tea was just the first thing to do. Others were now up and moving about. The mountain bothy guys were making a quick exit, as I had many things to do elsewhere, so they were cooking the breakfast and heading away. I took the sausages and rolls I bought out and started my own breakfast. A good sizzling noise when they hit the pan. Rolls ready, just waiting for the sausages. My cup was ready to be filled with hot water again to go with my sausage rolls. My mouth was watering now. This was one of the best bothy breakfasts you can have. I think anyway. Finally sitting down to have these rolls was about time. A perfect breakfast with a cup of tea was just needed. 
There was no rush to leave this place, and Mark was still doing his own thing. I washed everything and started to pack my rucksack. Mark was keen to tidy up the both himself, not that there was much to do. It gave him something to do and keep him busy. The weather had gotten worse, and the rain was drizzling a bit harder and heavier. So my rucksack was now packed up, and I said my piece in the bothy book. Already, I said goodbye to Mark and this lovely little bothy. Shaking Mark's hand, I closed the door of the old bothy again, and set back off up the track. Feeling great, even though it was raining pretty hard, I had the waterproofs on, and I was dry as a bone. It was a pleasant walk back, and at least it was all downhill, or mostly downhill. It was such a nice bothy to stay at, and I'd like to say a big thank you to Mark, Peter and Alistair. The guys, it helped make my night stay and make this podcast. Heading back down the track and through the farm and to the car where it all began. The track in and out to the Bothy is good going. For those who would be interested in visiting this place, then good walking boots and go equipped for the weather. It's not a long walk, probably an hour, at normal pace. It doesn't have any electricity, or toilet facilities, or running water. The use of the river next to the Bothy is your only source. Mobile signal is patchy along the track, and then it gets lost at the Bothy, so be prepared for no signal. You can check out Burley Wag Bothy on the Mountain Bothy Association website where you can get an up-to-date info of all the bothies around Scotland. Always worth checking as some bothies close at certain times of the year. So don't be disappointed. Check the website. So finally, I'd just like to thank all the listeners to this podcast on my adventure at Burleywag Bothy. The music was by Epidemic Sounds. You can watch the video for this podcast on my YouTube channel at Camping on the Wild Side. That's it for me, until next time. Enjoy your adventure wherever you go. I'm Steve. Cheers for now. This was a podcast for Camping on the Wild Side. (laughs) 